Hey, New Orleans Pelicans fans, welcome back to the podcast. This is your guy, Chris Dodson. I'm in the building writing about the Pelicans and Saints for Forbes Sports. I'm moving around to branch out to, to the rest of the teams in the division with musicmoviesandhoops.com. We've already got a few things going on the Mavs. Check us out over there. And we have a few Pelicans writers that you know and love coming on to Music Movies and Hoops. You're going to want to see their first work. You're going to know them. You're going to love them. I don't want to break the news. I just want to hype the news. That's what's coming up there. I want to say welcome again. Thanks to everybody who's reached out in the past few weeks wondering when the podcast will be back. With COVID, with the pandemic, with getting your mental health right, with keeping the day job going, with trying to reshuffle how everything was going to happen. You know, we just took a hiatus. I took a hiatus from doing podcasts. You can probably tell I'm not in podcast form with the way I'm talking. Same way that Josh Hart was for Media Day. You could tell he hadn't done a lighthearted podcast in a minute. Because he was fumbling over words. And you get in the groove. And you get in the groove. And we're going to try and get in the groove with this podcast. And do it two, three, four times a week. Depending on if we can line up guests. I've got a few lined up already that that are familiar from, from old podcasts. And we've got a few coming up with uh, some Division One coaches. Some, some other teams, podcasters and writers. All that's going to be coming up on this new Unfiltered Dunks with Dodson. I hope you all stick with us. Check us out. Again, welcome and thanks to everybody. We're going to branch out a little bit more because there's only so much you can do with the Pelicans during the offseason. This is going to be a short season. There's going to be a few things pop up. There's going to be hiatuses because of COVID. We've already had so many tests positive, but we're going to stay positive with the podcast. Even though we're unfiltered, we're going to be uncensored with our ideas. We're going to see, see where people want to take their ideas and challenge them if they come on the podcast and they say something silly like, like we should have never signed Steven Adams. Uh, just to throw that out there. Or we shouldn't match a deal for Ingram or Josh Hart. Y'all know you've seen it. You've seen a lot of crazy stuff about Lonzo on Twitter. We're going to call that out, but not in this first episode. This first episode, we just want to say thanks. We hope y'all doing all right. We got the holidays coming up. It's Friday. It's payday. I hope y'all doing good. But come Monday, the Pelicans actually got a game. It's going to be against Miami. One other preseason game. And then we, we playing for real. We playing for real. We gonna open up with a road trip. We gonna open up with a tough schedule. Some people talking one and thirteen because one out of a uh, uh, ten out of a, the first eleven games are all either away from home or against playoff teams. We gonna cover all that again. First episode. Just gonna catch you up by myself. Give you a little rundown of everything that's happened. Kind of what I knew when I knew it. Uh, some of the stuff I wrote about on Forbes. I appreciate that I'm now hit over. 1500 loyal followers that just read the articles that's more than twitter followers but hey those words get me paid twitter just gets me uh wrapped up in some some nonsense so that's 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 where we go focus our priorities as well as this podcast because moving forward it looks like podcast the place to be look at dan lebertard over at espn he's a former journalist jamil hill former journalist they had to move on and find other outlets so it can get you paid, it can get your content out there, it can get your voice out there, it can get your ideas out there, and you never know where you're going to take it from there. Again, look at this Music Movies and Hoops venture. I, first, I never thought I'd make it to Forbes, that was a move. But then, mu- Music Movies and Hoops, it's coming up from just a few followers to a couple thousand on Twitter to 
thousands of page views a day to actually hiring people and paying them more than some of these blogs and the content's great the content's great it's out there it's what the ringer used to be in my opinion for some of that uh for some of the content just because it's it's music it's movies it's hoops it's everybody looking at it their own way it's one of the first places i've ever got to use the word i in an article because i've come from a journal uh, uh, a political background of journalism then looking at the sports it to me you shouldn't put yourself in there too many people use i and mailbags and power rankings and that's cheap stuff and we want to bring y'all more than that with the podcast we, we want to bring it to you i want to bring it to you in the articles and and i hope y'all get that out of that and again thanks for coming back but let's look let's give you a rundown let's give you a rundown this is the first episode i'll save the biggest note for last but the second biggest note is we hired Stan Van Gundy. Eight years, he had a top 10 defense. I agree with the hire just based on character, his class, his on-court pedigree, the same things that are being expected of the New Orleans professional sports sponsors. And that's a story I cover heavily is, you know, the Superdome sponsorships, the, the new Ibotta sponsorship with the Pelicans, those sorts of things. The Pelicans are looking for some engagement, community engagement, some some rewards to actually bringing someone on. And there's a lot of rewards to bringing Stan Van Gundy on. If you follow him on Twitter, you know he's outspoken. A lot of people thought when he got hired by the Pelicans, he might have to calm down his Twitter persona. When in fact, in fact, the Pelicans have maybe not openly encouraged it to where David Griffin's come out and said, we want him to do more. But they haven't done anything to to quiet him down. And look at Swin Cash. Look at her Twitter. She's just as outspoken and and forward with her ideas and her opinions as Stan Van Gundy in her own way. And I think that's what the Pelicans value in the building going forward looking at just on-court philosophies. They want a lot of different ideas. Off-court evaluations, scouting. I mean, they just brought in the guy from Chicago whose name slips me because I'm about to go to my day job. But it doesn't matter. Y'all know who I'm talking about. It, it's going to be different when they bring him in. It's a different different viewpoint. It's a different voice. And people thought Stan Van Gundy was going to have to be quiet. He went on the Andrew Yang podcast and spoke a lot about basketball, a lot about the, the bubble and scouting and looking at the players as players, as, as, as we should. Too many reporters, I think, look at these, these guys as just their next hustle, their next 10,000 clicks their next piece of their next betting commodity or entertainment commodity you see a lot of it in the in, in the media just by the way they they go at the media i'm looking at like the clay travises of the world uh, the whitlocks of the world they really see these whitlock did a commercial where he was talking about betting and and looking at tyson like it it happens and if we see these players more as people they're gonna perform better for us. They're gonna they're gonna be warmer and more welcoming towards us. And that starts with the coach because I mean the, the coach isn't covered under the CBA for the players union. That's a totally different thing. He's not under a salary cap. He works for management. But Stan Van Gundy has came in and said, I'm gonna speak my mind, I'm gonna let the players speak their mind. I think that also along with the contract is why Ingram said he feels like he can now scream at people. He can go into practices feeling like He's a dominant person. In the, he runs the pod. If, if the whole world's a jail cell, Brandon Ingram runs his pod now. He just moved up to pod boss. Uh, maybe that, that, that kind of talk comes from watching too much 60 Days In 
during quarantine. But that's really how I feel. But Stan Van Gundy's going to be the CEO that lets him run it. But uh, he's going to he's going to have some some structure to it. There's going to things that Stan Van Gundy's going to require, like three hours of practice that just focuses on defense. That's going to happen. But he understands on offense. There's a hierarchy. It starts with Bi. It starts with Zion. He said below that it's going to be about getting JJ and Eric Bledsoe looks. Past that, you got Josh Hart. It's going to be running a lot of energy and hustle plays. He's the top 10 or top 5 in energy and hustle plays for all guards, and that's not per game. Josh Hart got totals, just total rebounds, total steals, deflections, more than some of your more defensive-minded or known as defensive-minded starters in the league. I wrote an article about that up on Forbes. Go check it out. There's a lot more of those kind of stats there. But Josh Hart's going to have the hustle plays. Uh, I mean, I've talked to some of his representation. He's been working on his offensive game a lot. He he said during media day, no player is going to argue about being told they've got to shoot more. He knew that was coming. He's worked on it. He's communicated with Stan Van Gundy. And, again, going back to Stan Van Gundy, that's why I like to hire. He has communicated with these players in a way, and we've heard from the players that he's communicated in a way, that I don't think we ever heard was happening with Gentry. I just don't think we ever heard it coming all across like that. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's just everybody feels refreshed going into a new season with a new coach. But I, I don't think I'm the only person that sees these players and Stan Van Gundy are connecting and communicating and appreciating the accountability and the hierarchy and the structure that comes from these three-hour structured practices, these blunt, straightforward communications, these these creative ways of looking at how the players can be deployed. I mean, even Griffin talked about putting Zion at the three, B.I. at the two. I don't think Adams will ever stray away from the five, but you could also see B.I. and Zion playing up to them playing the four and five in small ball. Lonzo playing off the ball, not as a three and D, but as a off-ball creator where he can come off cut screens and find ways he can attack the basket and have less pressure on him to finish because there's going to be less defenders in the paint and that's just the way the plays are going to be drawn up. Again, that was another article come out before media day, and then Stan Van Gundy reiterated they're going to be doing simple actions for B.I. and Zion. Go back and look at the direct handoff in Chicago, second quarter, six minutes, 57 seconds left on the clock. Quick, Ingram, Zion, bucket. Transitions at Golden State, first quarter, 10 minutes, nine seconds. Lonzo, out to Zion and B.I., bucket. I mean, Houston, they open with it. Minnesota, they open with a direct handoff action to Zion and B.I. It, it, it was something that happened in every game. And you can tell what teams want to establish and what they want to do based on what they're doing early and often. And that's what the Pelicans try to do early and often when Zion was healthy. I mean, they opened the second quarter against Portland. Same actions. It... it Lakers, I'm going down the list, third quarter, 7-15. It's a great example of a simple action that gets Zion or Ingram going downhill, cutting with an open paint, open bucket, open look, let's celebrate, go down, get a set defense, build the wall that Stan Van Gundy wants to talk about. Those simple actions on offense will help us on defense because it's easier to get back on defense if you made the bucket. If it's a long rebound, you know you're scrambling. Stan Van Gundy's talked about this constantly. It's one of his four points of 
you know, getting back in transition defense, boxing out, making but the simple things that this team did not focus on last year, they're going to focus on, and that's why I don't think we're going to have to worry about a play-in situation where we're the eighth, ninth, tenth. I think we'll make the sixth seed. If we're a seventh seed, hopefully it's set up that where we have a home court advantage, some sort of advantage that we can play through that easily and still have uh, maybe not avoid the Lakers, but avoid a bad matchup. We can kind of have a leeway where we can play with it, sit a couple guys and rest them, knowing that a loss might actually help us because we'll get. That's a that's one of those good problems, as Marlo Stanfield used to say. It's a good problem. You want to operate from those positions of. We can tinker with what we want to do, not we have to struggle and strive and grip and cl- just for the last playoff seed. I don't think this team wants to do that. I think they have a talent level that that they shouldn't have to worry about those last couple days. It coming down the last couple days, last couple shots like it did with AD against Oklahoma City a few years ago. It shouldn't come down to that. But that comes to the structure of the roster, how it's deployed. And let's look at the new roster and get you out of here. We got, we got Drew traded for Eric Bledsoe, some picks, and Steve Adams. You got to really include Adams in on that trade because Hill was flipped. Other picks was flipped. They had to they finagled that trade away. Then you got Ingram's extension, so now you know where you're building on a salary cap level. The salary cap hits. But there was also a lot of talk about Ingram's contract, why it took a while, and one was other moves had to be made just under the CBA. Two is... All the other teams, I think people overlook this, all the other teams that were supposed to bid for Ingram never bid for Ingram. They never put in an offer sheet that was really worthwhile. The Kings, they were too busy playing with Bogdanovich and cutting salary. Atlanta was too busy picking up Bogdanovich. Charlotte was too busy looking at their moves to get Hayward. The Knicks, who knows what the Knicks is doing. I'm glad I don't know what the Knicks are doing because that might actually make me uh, worse in whatever I'm trying to do with this basketball thing. Oklahoma City, they had cap space, but were they really going to go after Ingram when they're still a couple years away from contending and rebuilding? No. Detroit, Detroit spent all their money on, what, like $60 million on Denver's backups. They would rather do that on player. They would rather put those offer sheets out and get that those contracts under because they knew there was a chance. There was no chance to get Ingram because the Pelicans were going to match or outbid anything other teams did. But the Pelicans didn't have to outbid themselves. One, because they had no other bidders against them. Miami wasn't jumping in. They just paid Bam out of Io. They didn't have really the money to finagle an Ingram contract in. Funny how it all works in circles like that. But the circular logic of Ingram waiting was there was no other offer sheet to sign. The Pelicans had to do other deals to make it all work so they could sign them in the correct order for the right salary cap implications. And then Ingram really had only the leverage of the qualifying offer, which he was never going to play for. It was only like $9, 10000000 million. I mean, Nerlens Noel bet on himself, and it still hadn't worked out. I don't think any other player is really going to do that uh, ever again, unless it's just unique circumstances. But also, Ingram saw the market. The team saw the market. They saw what Fox had signed for. They saw what the full Siakam was going to cost. They saw what Ingram had done. And they all looked at the numbers, and eventually, I mean, I published it in Forbes a week or two before he signed, a week before even Woj put it out there. It was 157, 158 million. That was what was leaking around. That that was the only numbers that made sense was in that area, and that's where they landed at. It was five years, 158 million. 
They said Ingram didn't want a player's option. The team wasn't really in in a position to offer one unless Ingram was really adamant about it and wanted more years or wouldn't sign and was going to stretch it out. But look at Ingram. He's been smiling ever since he signed that contract. Uh, there's just no way. I put up a tweet that got 100 and something likes. It's the most likes I got on a tweet in months. And it's all because Ingram's smiling. I don't think he was going to press it too hard. I don't think the team pressed him too hard. And that's why it didn't come down to, uh, uh, it maybe not come down to the last day, but didn't get signed on the first hour is because neither of them were, they, they both wanted to relax. They both wanted to get away from the bubble. The team wanted to maybe see what other people signed for. Ingram also wanted to see what other players had signed for and see if another team was going to step in and give him some leverage. That never panned out, but there was no rush for it to pan out. And that's the great thing about this Pelicans team right now. They have a salary cap that they can be patient. Zion's on his rookie contract for four more years. I'm pretty sure they could extend him tomorrow to a max deal, and no one would no one be crying a river. Nobody would be worried about his knees or anything else. They'd just be worried about development because, as we've seen with Kevin Durant and these other players, John Wall, you can get hurt and still get paid if you are a generational talent, which Zion is. Brandon Ingram's growing into that. His next contract... In five years, thank goodness he doesn't have a player option because now the Pelicans can push that off one more year before he's going to want to sign maybe an all-NBA team two times, MVP something, all-star games. He's going to be maybe eligible in that 10th year for a 30 35% max contract right when Zion's up and he's on the books. So we can be patient in New Orleans for another three, four years, but that's the window to contend with this team and also add a third star. Or maybe we see if we already have him in-house. We'll have the bird rights on Adams when he is up in a couple years. And maybe, I mean, he's still going to be just, he's only 27 now. He'll still be a young, spry Adams. I, I wouldn't mess around with his strength will not waver as much as some people shooting. As they say, shooting doesn't age. I don't think Adams' strength is ever going to go anywhere. It's only going to get, you know, more set in stone, actually which is probably where his feet will be when he's 33, 34. But the Pelicans don't need him then. It's great. They got him young. They've got patience. They can keep him through the rest of his prime at a decent number and then then move on once they see where B.I. and Zion are at in five years. But the same thing goes for Zion, uh, Lonzo. People are crazy about Lonzo now. I, I was maybe stirring the pot a little bit too much with a hyperbole on Lonzo. But I didn't see him shooting 70% from the free throw line so I didn't really see any danger in betting a face tattoo from West Bank Popeye I you know that's like an easy bet it's like betting on the Saints against the Falcons this year easy bet put your rent money up we don't even need a quarterback we're gonna do it that that's just how it is uh, but that's how I feel about the team this has been a quick 20 minutes my last little Griffin note or last little note is on David Griffin and the fact that this is his first year in New Orleans he had come here with a lot of experience, winning championships in Cleveland. and I mean, he'd been in the year, league for years, decades. This is probably the most unique season he's ever had because you have a bubble. You have COVID. You had a trade for Davis, uh, uh, you know, trading away Davis. But you also then days later got the rights to Zion. Not too many times does that happen. Usually if you get rid of a LeBron, you get the rights to a, a Wiggins or uh, a Bennett, maybe a Kyrie, but Cleveland had three 
three years straight in a row that they I mean come on what kind of luck do you have there it's, it's been tough on Griffin I think he's done great as far as turning the team around even without having Zion if I think we all saw the writing on the wall with Drew I think I think it, it at hindsight it should have been obvious that Drew was going to Milwaukee because they had the most desperation in them to keep the MVP Giannis Milwaukee could be leveraged for the most assets, so why not? Why they weren't the obvious pick all along is beyond me. I'm sure they were in-house, or at least they were heavy favorites, but that's why they pay them a million bucks, and I just write about money. I don't make the money. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed that note. We're going to get back with you in the next couple of days. We got the game against Miami coming up. We got a whole bunch of stuff going on at Music, Movies, and Hoops. I'm going to have to get used to saying that a little better. But, hey, we're moving forward with it. I hope y'all enjoy this. Yeah, I hope y'all enjoy this podcast as much as you're going to enjoy the uh, City Edition jerseys this season with the, the City flag. Uh, a few people come at me on DMs for months, uh, teasing out the jerseys. Look, when I first saw the blue and the NOLA, I didn't know it was the shorts. I, I ain't going to lie. I'll come at you. Chris Connor, I hear you. I mean, I, I really thought when I seen the little clip of the new NOLA with the blue when I first started talking about this four months ago, I thought that was going to be on the chest. Sorry if I misled y'all, but I saw a little bit of the jersey. I ran with it. It did look like the city flag blue, but I, I only been in New Orleans a year. Most people don't even associate the flag with the city. I just the way it was that 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 just the way I saw it. Uh, there were a couple other designs. I didn't see them this season, even used on uh, other teams as templates. That's that's where I'd seen the only clippings, the only time during the middle of the summer was in one of those press junket booklets that's huge. It's a fashion book at Adidas, Nike, they all do them. They're hundreds of pages, and teams can pick from templates or designs and whatnot. And I've seen that NOLA splash, and I ran with it. Sorry if anybody got too... Uh, too too anxious to see something a little bit more different than what they got but it's the pelicans we have some great creative designers in the city uh look at kevin Berrios and chris Conn over there they got some of the music changed they could probably get some some more artistic ideas out there for the pelicans jersey design i remember kevin talking about and you can find him at kevin b for bounce he's over at sb nation writing for the bird rights bird calls podcast appreciate y'all and all y'all do, but he had a great idea with like the Pelicans ripped chest design. It was beautiful. If It was beautiful. I, I wish I could describe it better. I can't. That's the last little note. That's where I got the jerseys from. There's probably more coming. Y'all got better ideas than the guys they have hired in-house. I see you on Reddit. I see you just all over the place. Instagram, all the social medias. They got great ideas in the city. Maybe they'll pick somebody up. I like the script idea with the New Orleans, but we had that for Christmas a few years back under Adidas, and I doubt they bring that back. Anyway, until I'm back, y'all enjoy your Friday. Enjoy the preseason game on Monday. Stay safe. Protect your nest. South Coast Swiss. Check me out at Forbes. Check out musicmoviesandhoops.com, the YouTube channel. We got a debate on DJ Screws June 27th and Drake's November 18th. I think DJ Screw would have slapped the syrup out of Drake's mouth. Other people think it was a good way to show homage to to an old head. Y'all check it out. Let us know. Thanks again. Appreciate y'all. This has been Unfiltered Dunks with Dodson. 
Have a good weekend.